0: My wife confiscated it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, as I said, we're delighted to have with us Tony and Patsy Caminetti. They're some of our dearest and oldest friends, and uh, we've been delighted to have them with us. And now we just want to turn the service over to Tony. Brother Tony, come and do your thing. Thank you. Now, when he said uh, oldest, he didn't mean in age. He meant our friendship has been that long. So we figured it out that Patsy's known uh, uh, them for 40 years, but I'm 36. I came along four years later. Okay. Now, a funny story, you know, uh, if you don't know that Patsy and Beth used to sing together. And then um, they were in a group called Faith Creation. Uh, and then they replaced that group with What they call the Ramus Singers and Band It was for the Bible school that we went to And we served uh, Kenneth Hagen Who's gone home to be with the Lord And so then when they replaced it With the Ramus Singers and Band I played the bass guitar in that group And we would go out on the road And we would have like a road boss And that happened to be Pastor Mike And uh, so he was my boss for a season And, uh, and he told me today that I was one of the hardest, harder workers. He and I both. We were the hard workers. And he and I were some of the only ones that could take a Hammond B3 organ if we were the only two that could do that, and we could pick it up and put it in the case by ourselves. All the other guys had to do it, two guys, but we could do it by ourselves. Okay. But we were, we were strong. A, enough, something funny that happened uh, at camp meeting, it was at a big stadium in downtown Tulsa, and he assigned me to work at a booth. But I was, like, really interested in Patsy at the time. So here he comes up, and I'm at Patsy's booth sitting on a chair talking to her. And that's the only time that he's ever had to get on me. He said, I, what are you doing here? You know where you should be. And I went back to my, you know. Anyway, that's, that's the only thing I've ever done wrong, Okay. So here we are many years later. So tonight we're here for healing school. And so I have some things on my heart that I'd like to minister. So, Father, I thank you so much that you help us get into this, Lord, and that you just lead and direct us and guide us all the way through. We give you all the praise and glory for everything that you do. Always in Jesus' name, amen. When it comes to healing... And I'm sure that you're very well taught here because um, we have had your pastor and his wife come to some of our Bible schools around the world. And actually, I think your pastor is the only one that ever taught a whole week without even using notes. Not many people can do that, (laughs) but he's about the only one I remember that ever taught like, I don't know, 15 or 20 classes with no notes. And it was all laid out perfectly, Uh, unusual, but very good. So I know you're very well taught here. And, uh, when I, and I teach on healing in our Bible school, I do about 30 hours of teaching on healing, uh, two different classes, part one, part two. And what I always like to tell people, and I'm sure you know this, but God heals in different ways. All right. He, um, has different methods and so he can heal differently. It's not always the same. And I remember, uh, just right near the end of the life of Kenneth Hagen, uh, he had sugar diabetes type two come onto him, and uh, you know, and that's the result a lot of times of not exercising and eating improperly, and so he, he did that, and he had that come on him, and I remember that he said this that it took him that was one of the longer times uh, that it took him to get healed. And so he said that he had his favorite scriptures and his favorite way to get healed, but that just wasn't working. And so he made this statement that he said, I was praying in the Holy Spirit, uh, this is like months uh, after, maybe close to a year after, and he said the Lord gave him a totally different scripture and a totally different thing to declare Than his favorite ones so sometimes we can even fall into a rut we have our favorite scriptures and uh, and we just go back to them. but it's good to pray uh, and seek the Lord because sometimes he might give you a totally different scripture and he might tell you to say something totally different speak to your body with something different than you're accustomed to and I'm not going to speak on that tonight but my point is God does different things different ways and different things So there's different methods of healing. So what we're going to talk about tonight is only one way that God heals. And what we want to look at tonight, we want to look and talk about the anointing and faith concerning the laying on of hands. And if you look at the ministry of Jesus, you'll find out that he used the laying on of hands heavily. And I've heard some say that we're going to come to a day... God's no longer going to do that. The healing is just going to drop down from heaven. And I really can't find that in the scripture. And I think Jesus was the most effective out of anyone. And he continued to lay hands on people all throughout his ministry. So I don't think the laying on of hands is going to come to an end. As a matter of fact, the laying on of hands is one of the six basic doctrines of the church that you find in Hebrews chapter 6. It's the doctrine of laying on of hands. And if you look up the word doctrine, it means teaching, organized teaching, line upon line teaching. There is actually doctrine and teaching concerning the laying on of hands. You can go through your Bible starting in the Old Testament and find teaching into the New Testament all through the book of Acts concerning the laying on of hands. So it won't be done away with. And as a matter of fact, it's very good to understand it. So um, even with the laying on of hands, there's uh, so much teaching you can do on it. Tonight, we just want to talk about two components that are important when it comes to the laying on of hands. So we'll look at these two components briefly right now, and then we'll break them down as soon as we point them out to you. So here's the first one that we want to look at in Acts chapter 10 and verse number 38. And if you look at that, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. All right, so if you notice in that scripture, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. The first component that is necessary to have healing happen is the anointing. Okay, so if somebody's going to be healed, there has to be some power and anointing present. And that's the first thing that we see, uh, the anointing of God. God's anointing that was upon Jesus is also he anointed him with the Holy Spirit. Okay, and we'll look at that. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Let's let's look at the next component, and then we'll break them down. The other component we want to look at tonight is in Mark chapter 5. And verse number 34, and that says, He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. These two components are the anointing and faith. And when you have the anointing of God, the power of God present, and somebody responding to it with faith, then you can have results. Okay, So we're going to just break it down a little bit and talk about first of all the anointing okay now the anointing if you look up in the old testament and check into it and look at some of the definitions to make it really simple when we talk about the anointing you know i just uh, got a new pair of shoes and you know i went out and bought the best i thought i'm in the states everything is less expensive in the states so i thought i'm going to get some echo shoes you ever hear of echo they got the best soles, you know, like they're really well-made. They support your arches really good. So about a week or so ago, I, got, I finally got time to go get some Echo. I got a pair of tennis shoes, Echoes. Well, they're so well-made that, you know, and one foot's bigger than the other, so this foot is bigger than the other. And I put it on, and the guy kind of warned me about how well-made they are, and they might rub a little bit. Well, I, you know, I wore the skin off the back of my, my one heel. And it was so bad, I had to like, I took an old pair of shoes and just pushed the heels down, and I, I walked on them that way. I made them into sandals until it healed up a little bit. But I, I you know, I didn't want it to get infected, so I got ointment, you know, like the, the antibacterial, whatever that is, ointment, and I just smeared it on there, you know. And I did it like a couple days in a row just to make sure it didn't get infected. And now it's, it's getting a lot better. This, these are the only shoes I can wear right now that don't hurt, and they're nice. <laughs> So I I do own dress shoes. Okay. But here's my point. I, I smeared that on. When we talk about the anointing, God wants to rub and smear his anointing on people. So when you think about anointed, God anointed, it means he smeared, he rubbed something on. Okay. He, he wants to do that with his Holy spirit, with his power. All right. So, uh, just to take a look, you know, when we talk about how does God dispense? We heard about dispensing today from, from Patsy. How does God dispense the anointing? Well, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, you'll find out when he ministered to the multitude, it was very interesting because it says that he taught and he preached and then he healed. And you'll find scriptures where it says that he laid hands on every one of them. So if there was a multitude of people, Jesus himself laid hands on every one of the people. So when we talk about the doctrine of the laying on of hands, we are talking about something that that is how you can dispense the power of God by laying hands on them. Now, isn't it amazing that God just took us folks, simple folk, you know, by the way, you know, uh, I'm simple folk from Warren, Ohio, a town of 50,000 and by the way, my brother's son, my, I have a brother named Joe. He pastors. He's friends with your pastors. His son is sitting right here, David. He lives out here in California. So this is my nephew. It's great to have him around. Uh, great to see him. But um, just simple folk from a town of 50,000 people. You know, he, you get saved and God pulls you out of there and, and, and you end up going around the world. Just all of us simple people. The Bible says that God, you know, he'll flow through people's hands. He'll actually, if you lay hands on somebody, God wants to flow. His power will flow through flesh. Just us simple folk, okay? And uh, so we have so many testimonies of that. Uh, I was in uh, Australia on the Gold Coast ministering in a church, and uh, somebody uh, brought a handkerchief, and they said, could you lay hands on this? Our neighbor has lupus disease, and I guess when you have that a lady has that. She can't get pregnant. Is that correct? I'm not a doctor or anything like that. But I lay hands on that cloth. I didn't feel anything special. You know, lightning, lightning didn't come down from the sky. I didn't fall over. No one else fell over. Just laid hands on that cloth. And uh, a couple weeks later, found out she put that cloth on the lady with lupus disease. She was totally healed. And, she, you know, her life was changed. Uh, you know, God just uses people. He uses us. That's that's who he has. And so when you look at the ministry of Jesus, you'll find out that God used the hands of Jesus. So let's look at something in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 1 and 2. It says, And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? Now look at this, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. All right? Now the word mighty there in the Greek, it's the word dunamis. That's where we in English get our word dynamite. So when it talks about mighty works, it's talking about dynamite works. They were worked by his hands. Did you ever stop and think that your hands can like have dynamite power in them? You know, what do you believe about your hands? This is healing school. So some of you may be here to get healed, but others might be here to get trained to help people and, and help. Pe- and God use you to heal people. So what, what do you th- You know, what do you believe about your hands? Do you believe that dynamite power can be in your hands? Because that's, that's what Jesus had going through his hands, dynamite power. Okay? And so really what you believe about yourself is important. So God will flow through hands. He chose that. All right, so when we talk about how, how did Jesus dispense the anointing? Well, he dispensed it with his hands. All right? So uh, don't take your hands lightly. All right. Why don't you actually put your hands right in front of you and look at them and say this with me. Say, God's power will flow through my hands. My hands are holy hands, and I believe God's power will flow through them. Dynamite power will flow through my hands. And so, you know, if you, if you, if you have somebody that you know that's sick, one of the things that you would want them to do is believe that the power of God would flow through your hands. Now, it's interesting in the hometown of Jesus, where his, he grew up, it was real hard for those people to believe that that flowed through his hands. So Mark chapter 6, we're just reading, Jesus was in his hometown and he got up and he was speaking there. And uh, he's speaking there and uh, he's telling them about what happened when he used his hands. And they said, where did this guy get this? Like, Because they knew him. I mean, he's the carpenter's son. They, they had a hard time seeing him as the Christ. They saw him as the carpenter's son. Okay? So when you think about people that you know, if you have a relative or a close friend... Uh, is sometimes it might be a little challenging to get them to believe that power would flow through your hands. So sometimes it's necessary to pray that God would send somebody else to them if they have a hard time receiving from you. Now, I, I was always amazed at my wife because, you know, when you get married, you know everything about each other, so she knows my pluses and minuses, and I know her pluses and minuses. But it's even important for married people to distinguish between the gift that's in you and and the other. So she woke up a couple times since we've been married. It hasn't happened recently, but she woke up one time with a really bad stomach ache, and she just took my hand and put it on her stomach, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, she woke me up at like 2 or 3 in the morning. I'm like, you know, groggy and everything like that. And she just believed, even while I was sleeping, the power would flow through my hand, and her stomach got healed. You know, I, I had hardly anything to do with it, but... She, but she had, she could believe that about me even though she was my wife. And there's, there's a skill in that where you don't get familiar with somebody and you distinguish between the gift in them. You get close to them and then you get confused and you see them. They saw Jesus as the carpenter and not the Christ. And you don't want to do that. You want to make sure you consistently respect people. I know when we used to travel around with uh, Kenneth Hagan. You know and there there was uh, I was one of the older guys we were two two of the older guys in the group. sometimes we'd all get in a hotel room and a pillow fight would start, and people would start hitting Brother Hagan and throwing water on him and pinching him i couldn't do it I just couldn't do that to him uh, you know i just I just uh thought i can't do i I want to be able to receive from that man and i'm not going to go there and i'm not I, I wasn't upset at anybody else, but you know there's just something about respecting the ministry gifts and et cetera like that so You you want to make sure that you can look at somebody and you can see the natural. You know, some you know, there's like we got little quirks about everyone has a few quirks. I got my quirks and you got your quirks. Yeah, it sounded like kind of Rocky, you know, and and one of Rocky's, you know. I don't remember that movie. Anyway, forget (laughs) it. You know, when he was in Russia. But anyway, uh, I think it's it's gaps. He goes, You got gaps. And I got gaps and whatever. Anyway, but we, we, all got, we all got our quirks, okay? And so you can look past the quirks, okay, and realize that Christ is in people and they have a gift in them. So when it comes to the laying on of hands, you have to believe that power flows if you're the one ministering through your hands. But then when it comes to somebody laying hands on you, you have to believe power can flow through those hands, And so in that case, my wife believed that power flowed through my hands, even though she knows my quirks, okay? So it's really important to be able to believe that. So that's the anointing that flows through hands. Another way that Jesus then, you know, dispensed the anointing is in Luke chapter 4 and verse number 38 and 39. And what you see there, it says, And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house, And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And now look at this. It says that he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and ministered unto them. So here what you see is Jesus is actually dispensing the anointing with his mouth. So you can dispense God's power with your hands, but you can also dispense God's power with your mouth. Now, in order to do that, you know, uh, Jesus, you know, fed on the word. And, you know, the word was so much a part of him. And I I tell the story that when we first moved to Italy, our daughter, Liliana, she had a fever come on her. And we were like, you know, rookie parents. She was about four or five months old, probably five months. Right. And uh, she like her teeth start coming out. And it, she got a fever from it, you know. and But then the fever didn't go away. So we thought, well, we thought it was the teeth, actually. But then after, like, the third day of the fever, and Patsy has some nurse, nurse training, or she used to work in the emergency medical thing, and so she has some medical training. And so she knew that, like, a fever, like, we picked up Liliana, and her head, like, she, she couldn't hold her head up. It was a high fever. And, and we were, like, living in Sicily at the time, and we couldn't speak the language. We had just moved over there. We were only there a short time. And, uh, and so, you know, we had our positive confessions, you know, and my Patsy's a little bubbly, so she, you know, she would say, She's our healed child of the Lord with her bubble. You know, she's so bubbly. And I would say, She's our healed child of the Lord, you know, and, and I wasn't so bubbly. But she wasn't getting healed, she wasn't getting any better. We were both teaching in Bible school, and we were teaching on different subjects. Whatever you're full of is what comes out of you. So she was full of a subject, and I was full of a subject, but it wasn't on faith or healing. And so, uh, so she, L- we put Lily in bed, and she started crying. And I told Patsy, I just, got, you know, I just got mad, mad at sickness. something. I just got this thing on me, and I said, you go to sleep. I'm getting up, and I'm not coming back to bed until Liliana's healed. And I just made that commitment. I said, I don't care if if I have to stay up all night. I'm not going to come back to bed. So what I did is I went and got her. She's crying. And and I just start walking around holding her. And I just started to feed on the word. And I had certain scriptures, two of them, my favorite scriptures, in my heart. So I just started to feed on those scriptures. Mark 11, 23. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and believe in his heart. Uh, you know, th- what he says will come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. And I just start feeding on that. And I was kind of like milking it. Like, therefore, like Jesus said uh, when he said that, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, I was milking it. Like, how do you milk a scripture? Well, whosoever shall say unto the mountain, whosoever shall say unto the mountain, whosoever shall say. And each time I went through it and I accent it, like I, I uh, emphasize the word, that's, I was feeding on that scripture. Then I took 1 Peter 2.24, and I start milking and feeding on that scripture, Uh, especially the last part, by his stripes you're healed, by his stripes you're healed, by his stripes you're healed. And I start feeding on that because I had to prepare myself to be able to use my mouth and dispense God's power. So after I fed on it for a while, and I don't know, it wasn't that long, five or ten minutes you know, but I was a different person. I was changed. You know, and and sometimes we pray quickly and we speak quickly and we just do, need to do a little more feeding. So it got me different. I mean, if you could see a snapshot of me in the in the spirit before when I first took her, because I wasn't full of that, I was slouched. You know, my posture would have been slouched. But when I start feeding on that, if you could take a snapshot of me, I was like this. I was like. I was no longer slouched. I, was, I fed on something, and I was different. So then I just spoke to that fe- fever, and I rebuked it, and I commanded it off of her. And then it says, if when you speak, believe, if you can believe what you say will come to pass, you'll have what you say. When I did that, I believed what I said was going to come to pass. Since I believed what I said was going to come to pass, I stopped saying it, and I went into thanksgiving, and I just thanked God that, that it was so. And then to make a long story short, the fever picked off her, and I put her back to bed, and she slept all night, and it was gone. Now, I want to say that that happened that time. There were other times that our kids were growing up, and it didn't take 20 minutes. Sometimes it took hours, so please don't put time limits on anything. But that's just one story as our kids were growing up. And sometimes you have to labor a little bit longer. But, you know, don't grow weary. Continue to labor. Continue to stand, okay? So what you can say that when Jesus, you know, he released the anointing, you could say that if you get full of God's anointed word and you release it and it's in line with his will and his word is his will, then it's the same thing. It's what God wants. So it's when Jesus rebuked that fever, it was as though God himself was doing it because it was in line with the will of God. Okay, so anything that you know and have knowledge of and you understand it, God wants it. I'm gonna, you know, and you guys, I know you should know this if you attend this church, but sometimes people actually get confused and they go, well, you know, I'm sick and maybe God is doing this for a purpose. And maybe this is like he's trying to teach me something and maybe this or that. But if Jesus took all of our sicknesses, and if you understand that healing is in the plan of redemption and it's part of our atone, it's in the atonement, then you wouldn't have questions about that. And it's important to get that settled because if you can get that settled and then you believe that anytime time sickness comes around, Jesus said it real simple. He said the devil comes to kill, steal and destroy, but I came to give life and life more abundantly. Very easy. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came to give life. Anytime sickness shows up, it's not God trying to teach you something. It's not the will of God. G- the will of God, Jesus came and said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. It's always God's will to eradicate sickness and disease and pain. Okay? So what we're talking about is the anointing, and we looked at two ways. We looked at what, what do we say? We talked about what it is. It's God's Holy, Holy Spirit, the power of God that he smears on us. It can be released with your hands. And it can be released with your mouth. Now let's say a few things. Well, let's look at one other thing, like just the potential of the anointing. In 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse number 20 and 21, this just shows us the potential of the anointing. So in verse number 20, it says, Elijah died and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying a man that behold they spied a band of men and they cast a man into a sepulcher of Elisha and when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha he revived and stood up on his feet. And so what we see here is the anointing that was residing in the bones of Elisha healed somebody. So so Elisha didn't say anything because he was dead <laughs> He didn't do anything, but what you see is the anointing. You know, we know that it goes into cloth, but we also know that it can get in your bones, and it was still in the bones of Elisha. So this man, what did he get from Elisha? He simply got healed. Okay, that's what he got. You know, and uh, and and that that was all he needed. There was a miracle that happened. He was dead. And the anointing raised him to life. So you can see when we talk about the potential of the anointing, it's amazing. We were down in um, Sicily in a city called Victoria. Victoria. And Victoria, am I saying that right? Victoria? They, they don't have the C, do they? Anyway, it's, in English it's Victoria. And, and the pastor of that church was born in Potenza. So potenza means power. So he always says, I was born in power, and I live in victory. Get it? But anyway, we were in this church, and there was an older man in the church that wasn't saved. He came to the special meetings we had, and so he had a Patsy doing prayer, and he had me doing healing. So we were doing a prayer and healing conference. And the very first night, he came up to have hands laid on him. You know, And uh, he had Parkinson's disease, and he came up and laid hands on him and he went right back to his seat, and nothing looked like it changed, and he wasn't saved. Then he came the second night, and he listened to the teaching and preaching, and then he came up the second night, and he laid hands on him, and he went right back to his seat, and everyone's, it wasn't a big church, it was a smaller church, and so everyone's looking at him and saying, well, you just preached that this God is going to do, you know, God heals, and you talked about the laying on of hands and the anointing, and this guy came up, and nothing happened. You can just, you could, it was tangible in the air, you know. So the last night of the meetings, here he comes again, uh, preached again, and he came up again, laid hands on him again. So three nights in a row, went back to a seat, but the only difference that night is he responded and he got saved. So then he left there and no, no change. Two weeks later, the pastor told me this later, two weeks later, the, the pastor was in the center of town and he ran into the guy and he's walking completely normal. You know, and the pastor said, What happened? He goes, Well, he said about a week after the meetings, I was it was all gone. The Parkinson's disease left. So sometimes you know it's immediate and sometimes it isn't. But you want to continue to believe. You don't stop believing. It isn't by what you feel or see, it's it's believing is very important, okay? And then here's another scripture about the anointing. Acts chapter nineteen and verse eleven and twelve. It says, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So we're talking, you know, Jesus dispensed the anointing with his hands. And now it says, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Now Paul uh, is dispensing God's power and anointing with his hands. And then in verse number 12, it says, so that from his body, so, uh, you know, God needs a body. He needs your body. (laughs) He needs your hands. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs, or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out from them. So he laid hands on cloth. Now, the anointing is so powerful that when it manifests, even if somebody doesn't say anything, it gets the job done. So when this cloth touched the bodies, it drove out sickness and disease and evil spirits, and no one said anything. That's how powerful the anointing is. Okay, so when the anointing manifests and shows up, it's got plenty of power and enough power to get any job done. Okay, now let's just talk about faith real quickly because when, when you respond with faith to the anointing, that's when things and results can begin to happen. Okay, now I want to say we don't want to get legalistic because the soldier was dead that got thrown into that tomb that grave he didn't use his faith so you know you don't want to carry like the weight of the world on you to the degree that's like you know it's everything depends on my faith I like what the Bible says it talks about that we put faith in the grace of God it's a combination of God's grace in our faith what God did in Christ and everything he did and us responding to it we don't have to carry everything on our shoulders by ourselves. so we don't you don't want to get so you know over conscious of yourself and put a flashlight on yourself, you know the best. The, the best thing about faith, um, and well, we'll just look at it. and We'll see this this lady here that we're going to look at in Mark chapter five. Let's read in Mark five and verse twenty five. Is she almost unconsciously responded to something she heard? That's that's really cool. When you hear something, you know you hear something from God's word. And it does something to you where you almost like unconsciously respond to it. Instead of putting all this weight and trying, let the word speak to your heart. Let faith arise in your heart and then respond back to it. It's just uh, easier that way. Okay. So you see this lady, uh, a certain woman, verse 25 in Mark 5, That had an issue of blood 12 years. She suffered many things and many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garments. Okay, so she's going about life and getting worse and worse. You know, it doesn't matter how long you have something. It doesn't matter how long you have something. We just had a lady in our. Well, it was a lady in our church. Her mother. Her mother didn't attend our church, but her uh, and they were from Sri Lanka. They were Indians from, you know, from India that lived in Sri Lanka, and she asked me if I would do her mother's funeral. Her mother died at ninety-five years old, and uh, she just told me. She said, "My mother didn't have any sickness. She just got tired and shut her eyes and went home." You know, isn't that wonderful? Just to live to your ninety-five and. Don't have any sickness. But you know, what the devil will try to tell people, like when you get old, you expect this to go wrong and you expect that to go wrong and don't expect it to get any better. It's important not to fall for that. Also, no matter how long you have something, just because you have something for a while doesn't mean it can't be eradicated by the power of God and you responding and using your faith. Okay, so you see here, this lady suffered for 12 years. Now, some people after that, after... A short time, they think it's helpless. It's not helpless. You're not. All hope is not gone. This lady had it for 12 years, was getting worse. Had all the doctors. She spent all of her money. Uh, she had uh, treatments that were painful. That's the story we're looking at here. Painful treatments. Uh, suffered many things of the from physicians, and she got worse. And then it says she heard about Jesus, and when she heard about Jesus, she came in the press behind. And touched his garment. And then it says, She said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee. And sayest thou, who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, my power has made you whole. Oh, wait, it says, it says faith there, doesn't it? He said, Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace, be whole of thy plague. Well, you know, in reality, it was the power of God that made her whole. But Jesus wanted to point out that your faith can activate his power. So we already know Jesus was anointed. He had power on him. But he wanted to point out the fact that your faith can activate power. So if, if power and anointing can flow through hands, what you believe about it is significant. So Jesus was in his hometown, and it says he could do no mighty work there because they recognized him as the carpenter and not the Christ. Now, all we have to do is cross over that simple line. It's just a very fine line that we just choose to believe that whoever lays hands on us, power can flow through those hands. So if you're ministering to somebody in your family, can you get them to believe that power flows through your hands? If not... Pray that God sends somebody else to them. If you're out ministering to a stranger that you run across in the street, can you get that person to believe that if you lay hands on them, that, you know, that they can be healed, that power would flow through your hands and they could be healed? Well, that, that would be your assignment then. If you meet somebody and you just believe that you, get, you help them through the Bible and showing them scriptures to believe that when you lay hands on them, that power will go into their bodies and it will eradicate sickness and disease. So it's real simple with this method of healing. And this is the method Jesus used. If you really go through the the New Testament, it seems like Jesus did more than anything. He taught and he preached and he laid hands on people. So if you talk about healing, uh, Jesus did that more than anything. So it would seem like it would be good for the church to get very practiced and skillful. at Like teaching is explaining, preaching is proclaiming, and then healing is demonstration. So we want to explain, we want to proclaim, and we want to demonstrate. Okay, that's that's part of doing the works of Jesus. Every Christian can explain, every Christian can proclaim, and every Christian can demonstrate by laying hands on people. And this is what we see here. Okay, so uh, this lady, she gets up to Jesus. You know, she goes through a crowd. She's not feeling well at all, but she pushes through a crowd, and she touches him. Uh, So if I would just give one last thought to you guys, you know, sometimes desperate, when somebody gets in a desperate place, it's amazing how they plug in. It's amazing how they step up to another level. We went to Russia one time, and that's back a long time ago. And there was somebody there that said, would you come and do a a meeting? I want to do doing the works of Jesus. I'm going to do a conference, and I'm going to call it Doing the Works of Jesus. So Patsy and I went. Well, in Russia, they have a reputation. I don't know if it's still like that because they've come a long way probably. But back then, the reputation is you go into the hospital and you'll, you'll probably die there. So people didn't even really want to go into the hospital years ago, at least the city we were in. So they found out there's going to be a conference, and they show up. And they're like really desperate. They're like really serious about this, and they're like listening to everything you say. So there was like 400 people in a room, and they had to have they had to sell tickets. They like the pastors in the city got together, about seven pastors, and they 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 only could come one night, and they filled the building up four nights in a row with different groups of people. So it's like you had one night with each group of people. So uh, that first night, I just taught on authority, I believe. And these people really listened. So there was like out of the 400 people, 100 people stood up that were sick. And, and um, so I actually did not lay hands on them. I had them command sickness off their own bodies. And some of them had pain. So I, we, we all did a confession and commanded sickness off the bodies. And then I said, now, if your pain is gone and you know there's a difference in your healed, sit down. It was amazing. Uh, out of the 100 people that stood up, I would say 86 to 90 of them sat down. Immediately, the pain left their body. They used authority. They, they used their authority and spoke at their sickness and disease. And then those other other ones, I had come up, and I had all the pastors there work with them individually. And by the end, they were almost all healed. So, uh, you know, what am I saying? They were really, like, serious about it, and they were desperate. And I noticed a difference, Okay. So, you know, uh, it's kind of like when I got up, and I I just got mad at that fever that Liliana had. You know, up until then, we were making positive confessions, but I just got mad at that. And I said, I'm not going to come to bed. I'm not going to come to bed Well, if I have to stay up all night. You know, um, you just got to get to that place where you think, okay, I'm really going to consecrate and dedicate myself to this. I'm going to get this thing off me. Okay, so just think about that. Praise God. Father, I thank you so much for everything that was ministered tonight, Lord, and I just pray that, uh, that you take this and that you make it really real in everyone's heart, Father. And Lord, we're going to lay hands on anybody that has sickness tonight, Lord, and I thank you for the tangible anointing that flows through my hands, Lord. Lord. And I thank you, Father God, as we lay hands on anyone that is sick, Father, your anointing will flow into them. Lord, I thank you that you cause this teaching to be really powerful, like as far as speaking to their hearts, Lord, that your word would resonate in their hearts that I just spoke, Lord, and that whoever has sickness or pain or disease in their body, as they come up, Lord, they're coming up, to respond with genuine faith, Lord, that they believe that the laying on of hands will transmit your power into them and it will drive sickness and disease and pain out of their bodies, Lord. I thank you that you help them with that in Jesus' name. If you're uh, here tonight and you would like hands laid on you, I'd like to invite you to come up and I, I would be happy to lay hands on you in Jesus' name. see if you come and join me too, please. If, if you guys that are here, if you could just like close your eyes and uh, if you want to raise your hands, but I'm going to just do this with you guys. And if you say this together with me, uh, just, just um, say this from your heart. Heavenly Father, Thank you for power that flows from heaven, divine power, your power coming from the throne, coming from rivers of life from heaven, the rivers of life that flow from your throne, life that eradicates sickness. Life that eradicates disease. Life that's bigger than death. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father, that you love me so much that you want to drive sickness and disease out of my body. You desire to drive pain out of my body. So I'm standing here With expectancy I believe your power Flows through flesh Flows through hands When hands are laid on me Your power Will go into my body Into my flesh Into my bones Into my blood Into every system of my body My nervous system my cardiovascular system, every single system, your power will flow in. Every single organ, your power will flow into my body and will repair, make me whole in Jesus' name. So, I'm not going to stay long. We're going to move through the line and when I lay hands on you, you know, of course, I won't take my hands off of you until I know God's power has gone into you. But, uh, we, if we don't say anything to you other than just say in Jesus' name, it's okay because the anointing will do the work. So, like, uh, I like something I heard somebody say once, God's anointing is intelligence. His Holy Spirit is intelligent. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's God and He knows everything. So, the Holy Spirit and the power of God will find the root of your sickness because the anointing is intelligent, okay? Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. We lay hands in the holy name of Jesus, Father, and we thank you that your anointing flows in to each and every person in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your anointing that flows in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Just relax. Just relax. Yes. Just thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.